We are in our summer series on the Psalms. Say that five times fast. I practiced that before I got up here. Um, And we are looking today at Psalm 46. Last week, Martin preached on Psalm 42. Today, I will be preaching on Psalm 46. And if you are going to be familiar with a psalm, this is one of the top ones on the list, probably. Um, You may have committed many of these verses to memory. Uh, We put Be Still and Know artwork on the wall and our coffee mugs and uh, the the opening verses of of this psalm particularly have offered hope to many in in hard times. They're quoted often at funerals and after tragic events and for good reason. The the words of the psalm bring comfort and And encouragement when life doesn't work out the way we expect and when we suffer hardships. But these words, as I hope to show us, will also challenge us with the question, where do you and I take refuge when we experience the hard things in life? Just a a note about this psalm. This is a psalm of trust. The prescript notes that this is a song of the sons of Korah, much like Psalm 42 that was preached last week. So in in, uh, basically, this psalm teaches us to sing back the character of God in the midst of hard circumstances in order that we could find strength and a deeper security in Christ than is offered to us from the world. Let me read the word of God. Listen closely, for this is God's word. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Spirit, we are thankful for your word. As I approach the task of preaching the very words of the living God, I go weak and needy to this task. And so I ask for your help, Holy Spirit, that you would attend 
My words hide what is in me behind the cross that we might see Jesus, that he would be glorified and lifted up, that we might behold your beauty, O God. Amen. I want you to imagine with me what it's like to be a child. If you're not a kid here today, we all, you all have been at one point in your life. Um, And I want you to think back maybe to when you were a kid. I have been amazed at a child's ability to turn anything into a fort. Maybe like me and my brothers, you as a child built blanket forts in your room or in the living room. We would spend an entire afternoon constructing our bunker out of blankets and pillows. Or we would explore the woods behind our home and construct our home base out of sticks and old lumber. Or maybe you had a treehouse, something like that, growing up. A place where you could go and escape the world for a bit. It seems like for kids, anything can be turned into a small refuge and escape from the world. A place of safety and security. It's amazing how a few blankets can transform a simple room into a castle or a cave, or a bunker, in which we find ourselves freed from the troubles of the world for a little while, able to imagine the world full of joy and delight, able to play. You put a child in a fortress made of sticks, and suddenly they're a knight in shining armor, slaying dragons and rescuing damsels in distress. Now, I I bring this up to make the point that I don't think we ever really outgrow this. We may get older and mature, and our forts do as well. Our refuges just change and become more grown up. We all have things, people, places we turn when life gets hard. Places where we feel safe and secure. Places we think will give us rest. And within the security of these fortresses that we build around us, we imagine a world where the dragon of death is no more, where the wicked witch of cancer is beaten, where the wasteland of infertility becomes an oasis teeming with life. Now the problem for our hearts, though, is that we build bad forts. Rather than turning to Christ so often and seeking refuge in Him, we pick rotten refuges that don't ultimately deliver the rests and security they promise. And the question Psalm 46 puts before us today is where do we turn when the mountains in our lives begin to tremble? Where do we find security and strength when everything is raging around us? To what do we cling when the tectonic plates of our carefully constructed worlds begin to shift, threatening the stick and stone fortresses of our adolescent and immature hearts? Psalm 46 puts that question before us, and it invites us to a better refuge, a better fortress than our childlike blanket forts. God invites us into a better refuge in Christ 
who holds out for us the hope of a better world and a stronger security here and now in the meantime that the troubles of this world cannot ultimately touch. How do we live on when hard things happen? How do we move forward when life seems to end? Well, Psalm 46 teaches us that we can move forward because God is with us as our refuge. And Psalm 46 teaches us this through the use of two images and an invitation. So if you're taking notes, that's our outline today. Two images and an invitation. The first image communicates God's character. The second image is an image of chaos that reminds us of why we need God. And then God invites us graciously to look to him and take refuge in Christ. So let's look at the first image. Look at verse 1 with me. Notice that the psalm begins, the very first words, uh, draw our eyes to an image of a refuge. And I want to point out the very first words of the psalm. God is. God is our refuge. Or if you were to translate the Hebrew a little bit more uh, literally, it reads, God is for us a refuge and strength. God is for us. The psalm draws our attention from the outset to consider God. Not ourselves, not our circumstances, and our hardships, those are a given. It calls our attention to God and who he is for us. God is for us a refuge. What is a refuge? Well, in ancient times, if it was a large enough city, there would be a place in the city maybe near the center or off to the, to the side with a high wall. Or maybe there would be a, a fortress built on a hill nearby that offered protection from the threat of war and, and, on, and invading armies. Um, so when the threat of war would come, people would leave their homes, which were small, normal homes that were open to attack, and they would take refuge in the fortress with the high walls that offered protection. Well, in modern times, we don't really see these, at least in America, we don't, uh, these literal fortresses and castles. Uh, but we all have a place where we go in times of danger. We are all familiar with the tornado shelters uh, or safe places in our home. So using the words of this psalm, your storm refuge is the safe place you go when James Spann tells you to, when you're in the polygon and the tornado is heading your way. Psalm 46 tells us from the, from the beginning that God is our refuge. He is our safe place where we can run when life gets hard. But notice, too, that he is not a refuge that is far away. If you live in rural places in Alabama, or maybe you live in a mobile home that doesn't have a safe place, you have to drive to a community storm shelter. And that even puts you at risk when you have to leave and get on the road. But God is not like that. God is a very present help in times of trouble. He is right there at your right hand, ready to help you, easy to access, to step in, to provide aid, protection, safety. So God's nearness 
God's nearness to his people is all over this psalm. Two times, uh, I tried to emphasize it in my reading, two times it says in verses 7 and 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. God's nearness with his people in trouble is also indicated in verse 4. I get this kind of an odd, maybe odd-sounding verse in the middle. Verse 4, there is a river who makes Glad, whose streams make glad the city of God. Uh, this is an, a metaphor that just communicates the presence of God with his people. It was, an, it was a common uh, image used in the ancient Near East to communicate and picture the presence of the, of the divine in uh, where the divine presence dwelt. Um, but it's also communicated in the next verse in the next phrase, the holy habit with the reference to the holy habitation of the Most High. That's talking about the temple, the tabernacle that was uh, on Mount Zion, which was the place of God's dwelling with His people, Israel. So those two images convey the presence of the Lord. And if that wasn't clear enough, the psalmist states flat out, "God is in the midst of her," and the "her" that is referring to Jerusalem. So if you ever wonder, where is God when hard times come? Where is God when bad things happen? He's right there in the middle with his people, with you. He does not withdraw when life gets hard. He draws closer. How is he a very present help to us today? Two ways I could point out briefly. He is with us, a very present help by his word and his spirit. So first, his word. When we face trouble in life, we can turn to God's word for strength. It is a means of his presence with his people. In his word, he teaches us about himself and his plan. He reminds us of his gospel. He reorients our vision, our perspective to his grand plan of redemption. Uh, and we all have, in 2021, unprecedented access to the Word of God. You probably have an app on your phone that's either in your hand or in your pocket, and it's with you wherever you go. And you have multiple copies of the Scripture at home. Unprecedented access to the Word of God. So God is with us through His Word, but He is also with us, ready at hand by His Spirit. Jesus says in John 14, 16 through 18, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. If you have professed faith in Christ and rest in him and have been reborn of God, you have God himself, the Holy Spirit, dwelling inside of you. How much nearer can he get? He is with us, and he helps us. Jesus calls him the helper, and he says later on in John 14 that the Spirit helps us by doing two things, by uh, reminding us of the teachings of Jesus, reminding us and teaching our hearts of the gospel. And the Apostle Paul in Romans 8 says that the Spirit helps us. 
by giving us strength, by praying with us and for us according to the will of God. Do we turn to the Word and to His Spirit for help when mountains begin to tremble in our lives? What does that mean for us? How does knowing that God is our refuge give us strength and security, even hope, as, as difficult as that may be when life gets hard? How can we have hope even in hard times? You may be familiar with the story of Elizabeth Elliot and Jim Elliot and the other missionaries. Um, if you're not, she was, uh, Jim was uh, a missionary to South America, and he and along with several other missionaries, went to, proclaim, to preach the gospel to a tribe in South America, but they were killed trying to do so. Um, and in the months and years following, Elizabeth and other missionary wives and children went back to those people and continued to preach the gospel to them and were welcomed in, and God saved that tribe. Um, many of us are familiar with that, but at least I wasn't familiar with the story afterwards. Elizabeth... Uh, at one point, remarried, and her second husband was diagnosed with cancer and ended up taking his, the cancer ended up taking his life. So needless to say, by that time, her world had been rocked by grief and death. But as her second husband was dying of cancer, she had this to say. Everything that has seemed Most dependable has given way. Mountains are falling. Earth is receding. In such a time, it is a profound comfort to know that although all things seem shaken, one thing is not. God is not shaken. God is not shaken. So that is the image of God's character, that he is a refuge for us by being with us in times of trouble. Why? Why do we need this refuge? Notice the second image in the psalm, an image of chaos in the world. And this image comes through in several ways. You probably picked up on it as I read through. Uh, You read in the first section, the first stanza, you hear phrases like, Uh, Though the earth give way, though the mountains be uh, trembling, or are trembling, and though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the the sea is swelling and raging and crashing against the mountains. Um, So there is the image of natural or ecological chaos. The sea in Scripture is often an image of chaos. Uh, But not only does nature rage, and the word is even the same word, rage, in uh, a couple of the verses. Not only does nature rage, but nations rage as well in verse 6. Look with me. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. Uh, So there is, to sum up, both natural and political instability. Uh, and, but notice that they all seem to be external troubles, things that are going on in the world around the perspective of the writer. Many psalms highlight internal turmoil. 
of life, perhaps grief over sin or depression uh, or jealousy, anger, sadness. Uh, The things in Psalm 46 appear to be happening around the world. What are the mountains uh, that are shaking? Uh, What are the, the mountains that shake in our lives? Um, The image of a mountain is kind of the opposite image of the image of the sea. Mountains are typically uh, images of safety and security in literature. They are stable. If everything else, if the sea is chaos, the mountain is the opposite of that. They don't move most of the time. Uh, What are our troubles that threaten to shake the mountains in our lives? How do we handle it? That's the question before us. One thing that it's important to note as we seek to apply this passage to our lives and to understand what's going on, that the writer of the psalm uses corporate terms. He's not just writing about the experience of one individual, although it could be applied there, but he's writing about the experience of the people of God as a whole. So he uses plural pronouns. Uh, We will not fear. God is our refuge. He makes reference to the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. So that is the stand-in for the people of God, Israel and the church. The nations rage. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So as as we try to think about what does this mean for us, it's important to think about, uh, think beyond ourselves for a moment to faith church as a whole or to our denomination or the church universal, the people of God. And we can think back throughout the generations of the church, through generations of persecution in the years after Christ, through years of plague legislation in countries where for many, many years and still it is illegal to practice Christianity and to preach it, to spread the gospel. Through generations, through the onslaughts of the enemy, however they manifest themselves, God's people have endured. God has sustained his church through it. God has been with his people as a refuge for thousands of years. And so they have been able to endure. And so why do we fear today? With God in our midst, with God in our midst, we need not fear. Though the world and nations rage around us, literally and physically, Metaphorically, though they, the nations threaten to give way, though Washington rage or our political parties rage, though our families rage, the worlds around us, the mountains, those things which we think ought to be stable, when they tremble, we need not fear. The image of turmoil conveyed here is one that we are all familiar with chaos, and turmoil. And herein lies the problem. It would be great to be able to say, yes, every time something hard happens in life, that we, whenever we feel threatened and unsafe, that we always run to the Lord 
for refuge. We take refuge in the arms of our Heavenly Father, but we don't. And this is where Psalm 46 highlights our need for God's grace, even today. Because when trouble comes, and it will come, like uh, those, the, our childlike selves, when trouble comes, we feel unsafe. We run to things to feel safe and secure. And if these things are not rooted in God and His Word, uh, they will prove to be false refuges for us. Um, we tend to create refuges, safe places out of things, people that thinking that they are going to uh, provide and protect when the earth gives way. What's more, we think they're going to provide protection and strength, but instead they take strength from us. They do not give us strength like Christ does. Uh, Augustine says in his exposition on the Psalms, Some refuges are anything but strong, so that one who flees to them is weakened rather than securely established. But our refuge is quite different. Our refuge is strength. And when we flee to it, we shall be secure and unshakable. These false refuges that we create exist all around us, and they're not all necessarily bad things in themselves, but they become false refuges for us when we try to make them ultimate things, when we try to squeeze out of them things that they were never meant to give and provide. And to discover what they are, it might be helpful to ask the question, where do I turn for safety and comfort? Identify the threat and identify your comfort. What reassures me that I'm going to be okay? When life starts going poorly, when bad things happen, to what do you look to to reassure yourself that it's all going to be okay? How do you sleep at night? Those things are your refuge. We can make anything in life a refuge. Uh, one example, uh, just an illustration of this, uh, when he was inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame, Michael Jordan, one of the greatest, arguably the greatest basketball player of all time, not to get into that argument right now, but when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, he concluded his speech by saying this, and he uses, the, it's really fascinating, he uses the words of Psalm 46, not, maybe not intentionally, but he does. He says this, The game of basketball has been everything to me. My refuge, my place I've always gone when I needed to find comfort and peace. Now, I don't know where he is spiritually. That was just to illustrate a point, not to question his heart. But sports, social media, political parties, food, alcohol, relationships, money, what you name it, we can make a refuge out of it. What kind of refuge would basketball have been for Jordan if he, two years into his skyrocketing career, had broken his leg and never been able to play a game of basketball again? 
What kind of refuge is work, as good as it is? What kind of refuge is it when the market crashes or you are fired or laid off or they hire the next youngest person with more skills um, than you? What kind of a refuge is it? What kind of refuge is the opinion of others when one word of condemnation can bring your world crashing down around you? Uh, You see, all of these things are bad refuges, bad fortresses, because they fade. They will end. They will actually demand your life in the meantime, rather than giving you true life. And they keep us in cycles of stress and anxiety, promising a way forward, but never delivering. They promise a way to protect us from trouble, but they can never get us out. They promise life, freedom, rest, security, but they don't deliver. In the words of Augustine, they make us weaker, not stronger. And they don't deliver because they can't. They cannot. But there's one refuge who can. We'll get there in a moment. Uh, as we think about how, does, how do we apply this, how do we turn from these false refuges that we create? Repentance from these false, uh, these idols may look a little bit different for each of us since the idols of our heart may vary. So I want us to think together about our lives and how we might turn in small ways, small steps, uh, in repentance to take refuge in Christ. Uh, that might, if, you're, if your refuge is work, it might look like taking all of your vacation days. Uh, or it might look like, uh, if your refuge is, is something else, it might look like spending the moments in bed before sleep, in prayer and scripture, rather than scrolling through the endless cycle Uh, the lost world of the internet where you just get sucked in, social media. Uh, Maybe it's praying honestly to our Heavenly Father, openly to the Lord about your grief and anxiety rather than holding back your heart from Him. Whatever it might be for you, consider today the small steps that we can take to walk in repentance with Christ as our fortress. Because he is the only one who offers us a way forward through the troubles of life. And that's what he invites us to. He says uh, in verse 10, in verse 8, come behold the works of the Lord. And in verse 10, be still and know that I am God. In other words, stop trying to be God and let God be God. He has provided for us a better refuge in Christ. Christ is a refuge that instead of taking our strength in life from us, will give us life and strength so that we will be able to walk through hard times until we get to glory. Though the troubles of this life should threaten to undo us, we know based on the promises of God that they cannot. God is a better refuge for us because he first gave his life for us. God made himself a better refuge for us by coming down in Jesus 
to dwell with us. The temple, the, the true tabernacle of God, the abiding presence of God in the flesh himself in Christ Jesus to dwell in our midst. So he knows, he is well acquainted with the troubles of life. His heart, the heart of God resonates with our own. He entered headfirst into the troubles of life, into death itself, and came out victorious on the other side to offer those who rest in him the hope of a new heaven and a new earth and a hope and a new heaven and a new earth that the troubles of this world cannot touch. Now, this doesn't take away the trembling and shaking mountains here and now. Life, uh, the trouble that we know in a broken world. But it does offer us stability to be able to walk, to carry on. Now, this doesn't mean that we are happy all the time, walking around ignoring sad things in our broken world. We do grieve, and appropriately so. But this hope offers us the ability to grieve, but to grieve with hope. Yes, to be hard-pressed, but not driven to despair. To be shaken, and we are shaken often, but we are not abandoned. The psalm does not say troubling things will not happen. God does not promise a life that will not be painful. He doesn't promise that we will not experience intense anxiety that there will not be times in this life as we wait for glory when we think that the world is surely falling apart. The world is broken. Life doesn't work the way we think it should. Bad things do happen. But what God says to us in the words of Psalm 46 is that those troubling things in life do not have the power to ultimately undo us. Though we are shaken, God is not shaken. Anxiety Miscarriages, chronic pain, and death may shake us, but they do not shake God. They do not shake God. Christ offers us a place to turn to in which we can find an inner stability, a refuge for our weary souls, strong, so strong that the world cannot shake him in us. They do not have the final word on our lives. God does. When we take refuge in Christ, we are able to walk on, to walk through the troubles of life unshaken and unafraid. And instead of being undone by the troubles of the world, we can sing and live on because the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And the invitation stands for us today to come behold the works of the Lord at his table. He is the true refuge of our weary souls, the one who entered headlong into the troubles of this world for us Jesus, in a way that we never, ever could. Jesus was the one who was shaken by death and holds out for us true rest and peace for our souls. The one who will one day come again to drink this cup with us in a world where the wars cease, death and dying are no more. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you are our refuge.
You have proven to be so through countless generations. But we uh, often wander. We often are tempted to despair. Uh, And in those moments, we ask for your help. That you would reassure us of your presence with us and your goodness. Um, Send us out today um, with encouraged hearts, hearts that are uplifted. um, That we would walk on, that we would carry on unafraid, trusting in you as our refuge and our strength. In Christ's name, amen.